This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Sonia for Broad on Joy 94.9 and talking to someone who is very amazing. I met her briefly at the Feminist Writers Festival here in Melbourne town. It is uh, Zoya, Zoya Patel, of course, part of Feminazi and that publication online. And she is the editor and founder of that site. Welcome to Broad. Thanks for having me, Sonia. You see, there's going to be some editing already in there. Do you get that all the time, yeah. the fem Nazi thing? Do people like like me mispronounce it and forget to say fem? I think it's one of those things where I've chosen a pun for the website mm. name, so I can't really be too frustrated yes. if people uh, <laughs> pronounce it a little bit differently. And I guess it does, you know, it is pronounced like feminazi. Uh, so yes. I often find myself saying whenever I'm at an event or anything like that, you know, that's got artsy on the end, not Nazi. Yes, uh, yes. Just so people can visualise the pun. Yes, exactly. So tell us a bit about the site and, and what, what it's all about. Yeah, so I founded Feminazi in 2014, and that was after a period of editing Lit Magazine, which is another feminist publication. And I really just wanted to still be part of the online feminist space, but try and do something a little bit different. So mm. Feminazi publishes weekly content, but we try and, rather than publishing a lot of uh, political pieces or opinion pieces, we focus a little bit more on creativity. So there are a lot of memoir pieces and feature articles that might just take a slightly different angle to a common feminist topic. Um, we also publish fiction, and we do a lot of profiles of uh, amazing women doing different things across Australia. Yeah, it's a very busy, it's a very full and very um, lot of content there from all over the place um, as well, like... I notice you've got, I'm just looking at the site now, cheating, really, um, talking about is it safe and wise to travel to America as a woman, um, uh, very serious topics too about rape testimony and uh, look, there's such a wide range. How do you decide, uh, do you decide totally what the content's going to be? Yes, I, I do largely decide what the content is going to be. We do have a small team of editorial staff. Um, and we're all volunteers, but all the contributors like, get paid for their work. So I do have quite a lot of a, a hand in choosing the work, and most pitches come straight through to me directly. Okay. What's really good about that is I have an overarching sense of what we're publishing and what's coming up each month. So I mm-hmm. try and curate topics that are a little bit different, and I also work quite closely with authors to make sure that, I guess, each piece is as substantiated as possible and, you know, goes as deep into the topic as possible. Yeah, no, I guess that's important. And as a guiding, as a guiding, um, I guess, guiding role or tool for writers, is there anything like you say to them, this is specifically what, if you're going to do some writing for us and contribute something, uh, there is a certain type of any rules that you have as such or guidelines for 
people yes, we do have yep. we have quite a few guidelines. <laughs> um, I think because I edited Lips for four mm. years, which was a really great experience, it gave me, and because people at Lips um, at the time weren't paid for their contributions, it meant that we published a lot more content, which gave me a really good sense of, I guess, the type of content that is available out there. And when mm. I founded Feminazi, I was able to think a bit more critically about what kind of content I really wanted to have on the site. And it's important to me that the site maintains the consistent tone. So mm. on our submissions page, we talk about both what we do want to publish and what we don't want to publish. So mm. I think there are some really specific things, like I don't encourage anyone to submit rants or opinion pieces that don't have yeah. a broader kind of cultural analysis or some evidence behind them. We don't publish reviews unless we get asked really, really nicely by a publisher. Um, and I try not to feature too much news. And that's because... Mm. Because we don't publish every day, it's really easy for content that is quite timely to become dated really easily. Yeah, of So I try and publish content that's, you know, relevant no matter when you read it and also because the length of each piece is a bit longer. So to publish a minimum of a thousand words, I want it to be the kind of thing that someone might sit down and read with a cup of tea, not just kind of scroll through, you know, yep. on their phone, on the bus. So, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it has yeah, to have so that weight to it, I guess. Mm. Absolutely. Now, of course, your own background and everything, and I guess this is why you are a standout amongst uh, the feminist you know, squads out there. Uh, but being someone so young, uh, you know, committed to feminist issues from the age of 15, I believe, what, what's the drive behind that? What, what sort of, you know, inspired you to take up the pen or the keyboard, as the case may be, for writing? Yeah. Well, I think I've been writing for a, as long as I can remember. I mean, mm. even when I was a child and I couldn't actually read or write, I used to sit with pieces of paper and scribble in an approximation of what I thought writing mm-hmm. should look like because <laughs> that's just something that I've always been quite drawn to. And I think a lot of writers have a similar experience mm. of, you know, not knowing why they write but not being able to not write. Yes. But in terms of feminism, I was pretty lucky, actually, when I was in high school, we had to do work experience, and at the time, Lip had been founded and was a print publication, and it was aimed at teenagers, kind of 13 to 18. And so I think at that time, I didn't have a sense of my own limits, and so nothing ever really struck me as something that I couldn't do. So I just mm. emailed the editor and said, you know, can I come and do work experience with you? And the editor at the time, who was the founder of Lip, uh, Rachel Tamari, uh, immediately kind of took me on board and gave me my first opportunity to be published. And I think I was just hooked after that, particularly because I'd always had this burning sense that something wasn't quite right in the world yes. um, on many different levels. Yes. That feminism wasn't a word that I really knew and it wasn't part of my lexicon. So having lit define feminism for me and also give me the option to find my own feminism was, I think, quite a turning point for me. And I still remember mm. being an annoying person who would <laughs> harass my friends and say, you know, why don't you call yourself a feminist? Because I did just come to it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, but I'm really grateful that, that I had that opportunity. Do you see uh, a change has happened? I mean, I sense that that has. More people are coming out, particularly women, about, you know, and saying feminism easily, you know, feminist easily, um, looking more into it and becoming uh, more involved. Do you, do you see a change recently yeah definitely mm. I think especially over the past kind of five or six years mm. I feel as if people are more comfortable with feminism and there's more of a interest in feminism and I wonder also if that's because 
a lot of online feminist spaces have become more established and there are some kind of mainstream op- options mm. as well, which means that the content is more available. So, you know, more people are able to put names to perhaps the issues that they're concerned about or the feelings that they might have about gender equality. And, it, you know, it's got to be a good thing. And I think it is great, though. I think also it can be a bit challenging when you have been engaged in feminist issues for a long time because I find that often I've kind of graduated from a certain school of thought um, whilst a lot of my peers are still really engaged with it. So part of what draws me to feminazi is being able to, I guess, steer the the conversation in a direction that I personally enjoy. (laughs) Yes, I can understand that. It's a bit like... um... I get asked occasionally, you know, people who just have this blank look and they go, well, what is feminism? Can you tell me why? And I I know I'm guilty of it and I say to them, do you have access to the internet? Can you please just uh, look Mm. it up yourself? Do you know what I mean? It's like having to explain it totally again and again and you must get this, yeah, constantly, I understand. That's frustrating. Yeah, and I think partly it's also... I mean, I don't mind having those kinds of conversations, but it does start feeling quite repetitive yeah. when you do it a lot. And something that I like about Feminazi, so we have monthly events in Canberra as well as the content that we publish online. Mm. And the events bring together kind of three different speakers each month to speak to a theme, which usually has a feminist bent, although sometimes it's oh. also just about lived experience and yeah. um, their story shares. So people share a story. And what I like about that is that a lot of the people who come along to the events aren't your usual suspects. They're not people (laughs) that I know of who are engaged in other kind of feminist spaces. And so I almost feel like there's this educational process that can happen there without me having to, you know, personally be involved that much. And it just opens up the definitions of feminism and also, you know, the, the lived experiences of gender inequality in a way that I think is quite accessible, which unless you self-identify as a feminist, you might not go online and look for feminist content, but you might come along to an event with some friends, you know, and have a glass of wine and listen to some stories, which may well change your perspective. Yes, I think, um, yeah, I definitely think that is, is something that you see more of. And I think events are really important to engage people, certainly. I mean, looking at your website now, um, once again, uh, you've got events coming up. and We're very lucky in Canberra. We have a really inclusive and collaborative artist community and there's an art centre here called Ainsley and Golden Art Centre who actually sponsors some events for Feminazi. Right. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting um, for, like, for example, painters and people like that and photographers because, in a way, sometimes the art that they do, I guess, doesn't always have obvious obvious messages in it or you know symbols of of perhaps feminism ideas or something like that mm. more of an unconscious thing yeah that'd be interesting to find out if you do that in the, in the future or something I don't know how hard yeah that definitely is. something <laughs> I'd love is. to do yeah we did also when we first started uh, publishing content on feminazi and mm. I say we like the royal we but I mostly mean me yeah I know <laughs> what you mean I I featured a lot of artists, Mm. so um, visual artists, so photographers Mm. and um, painters and illustrators, and I do a bit of a profile on them and then a spread of their work online, and Mm. that was quite interesting, just seeing the different ways in which feminism can play into visual art. So it'd be great to do something live in an event like that. Mm, That'd be cool. Now, you've also got a book club, and I'm really jealous about that, trying to get a book club going here 
in a way, sort of a radio on-air book club as such, Read Like a Feminist. How long has that been going for? Or is that something quite yes, new? Or? That's a very new thing. Okay. So this, this month will be our second iteration. Mm-hmm. One of the amazing people who's on Feminazi's advisory committee and who's also just a good friend of mine, Yen Erickson, she and I have founded the book club together. Mm. Because we both, so Yen wanted an excuse to read more fiction. And I just feel like I've been badgering people to have a book club for a really long time and my friends don't tend to be as committed. So I thought I'll just make it a public event and then I have a ready-made book club crew. Um, So a bit selfish, but it's worked out (laughs) quite well. And we had our first one last month with Maxine Beneva-Clark's The Hate Race. Oh, cool. Excellent. Which was a great book for the first iteration. And we had quite a few people come along and, you know, men and women, though primarily women, and had a really robust discussion. So we run it a bit like a panel to start with, so mm. Yen and myself and a guest speaker, and then we open it up for group discussion. And it's, uh, it was really great last time, and I'm interested to see how this month will go because we're talking about The Dressmaker mm. by Rosalie Ham, and I have to say I didn't love it. Which has so, been made into the film, which I am guilty not of seeing because I didn't jump oh, out at me. It, to be honest, it's... <laughs> Can I say this? It just seemed a bit white to me. Uh, totally. Yeah. I just... It's ironic because we did the hate race last month and yeah. now we're doing the dressmaker. And we chose it to try and pick something that we thought maybe more people would have already read the read, book. Read, yeah. Um, or it's a little bit more mainstream. And so we were just trying to be a bit diverse in the lineup. But I just really didn't enjoy the book no. at all. So <laughs> I think it'll I know. be an interesting discussion. Well, the film did quite well, like one of the best. They've had an Australian film viewed by Australians and gone, you know, attendance-wise from what I understand. But I'm sorry, I just couldn't go there. Mm. It just had all those stereotypes. I just couldn't I couldn't do it, you know, the great outback yeah, and, and I- et cetera. <laughs> I think it's meant to be satire, and I mean, it is yeah, meant maybe. to be satire. I'm sure, um, yeah. Hmm. Well, certainly the book is written in that way, but I just, it was just also the writing style, which jumps hmm. between so many different characters, and I actually just felt quite frustrated <laughs> reading it. But then, you know, it's been such Each a success, their own, so clearly, hmm. clearly it does resonate with some people. Yes, maybe, maybe that's what uh, you need to write next or something. Yeah, <laughs> a different take on the whole thing. Um, now, I don't want to keep you too long, but of course, it brings me to the question. Sorry to throw you in the deep end here, but if you were mm. to suggest to someone, a woman who, whatever age, is fine, what would be a good a book, fiction or nonfiction, to uh, perhaps read to pick up and get some of the concepts of feminism, you know, in their eyes, you know, what would be a good one yeah. to inspire? That is a big one. And, Sorry. you know, I'm not even going to choose one of my favorite books. I'm okay. going to choose something that I read really recently mm-hmm. um, on the recommendation of a very good friend of mine who had just spent three months in Paris and had done that thing where you can go and live and work at the Shakespeare and Co. bookstore. Oh, um, I feel sick. Books, I know. <laughs> That's I'm so, so jealous. And it just looks amazing. Oh. But one of the books that she read while she was over there was A Woman Destroyed by Simone de Beauvoir, oh. which is actually three novellas collected into the one book. And the reason why I would recommend that is because each of the novellas looks at a specific kind of time in a woman's life, but also some of the challenges that women face as women mm. that you might not think about when you're a young woman. So, for example, the first novella um, looks at a woman who's at kind of a time and age, I assume she's about 60, and it's about the combination of feeling 
you know, starting to feel irrelevant within the networks that you've always mm. been part of. And then also the specific challenges of aging as a woman when, you know, your appearance and those kinds of things are so prized mm. throughout your whole life. And then you get to this point where suddenly you're just completely ignored. Yeah, it's invisible. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And the That's other two, thing, yeah. you know, is look at different aspects. And I just found it really eye-opening, you know, having read other divorce law before and read a lot of mm. um, feminist theories and done my gender studies degree, I still felt like this was a book that forced me to think about different issues. Um, mm. and I think it's quite relatable. No, that would be, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Her name has come up recently for me. I did a very brief review on Queer, a graphic history by Meg John Barker and artwork by uh, Julia Scheel, um, looking at the discussion of queer fairy through history historically in the last, uh, well, I guess, last hundred years or so, perhaps a little bit over a hundred years. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, LGBTIQ or queer uh, book, it's, it's, I love it because I love comics and cartoons. <laughs> and it's one of the yeah. things I, have you seen the book? Have you heard about, of this one? Uh, I haven't seen it myself mm. and I'll admit that I'm, I'm very behind in terms of graphic novels. I used to read yes. them a lot yeah. when I was younger and I don't know, I, I guess I've just, Check it out if you give them to me have moved away. Yeah. I think is the main thing. <laughs> I'll send you the link or something once my email's working. Check check it out though. It's um if you get a chance, it's so um it's so much more down to earth. I guess it's because it's got the cartoons, so you're kind of smiling and at the same time you're learning something and engaging and and finding out all these different things. Every single page has got a meaning, like a different point in time of Queer Fairy and how it got there. And, of course, it's got Simone de Beauvoir in there and Sartre and the yeah. existentialists and that theory and, and sexualization and it's got Freud. And it's, it doesn't rip these people apart. It actually says, look, it adds to what they contributed and later on, you know, they turn up again because of the influence they've had on, on more recent um, uh, philosophers and, you know, fairy and so on. It's yeah, it talks about the queer umbrella and feminism as well in there and bell hooks and, you know, the usual uh, culprits. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's worthwhile. Well, great. Yeah, here I am raving about it because I just, I don't usually finish a book all the way through, particularly nonfiction. I usually get a bit sort of terribly bored quickly, but when I'm looking Aww. at pictures, I'm like going, yay, okay, I can get this. That's hard for me to hear because I'm on those people where even if I don't enjoy the book, I'll finish it. You'll finish it. Yeah. 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 But I guess I it's your line of work. I life is too short. True. No, you're right. You're right. Okay, so Woman Destroyed would be one. That's excellent. Well, good. I will put that up for recommending for people. Hopefully we can get the sub book club. It'll actually make me finish a book properly. That's yeah. another reason why I want to do it, <laughs> to make me do well, that. Well, you know, we have been trying to record mm. um, the Read Like a Feminist book clubs, um, and just we've got the audio from the first one, but we haven't really done anything with it. Yeah. So if you ever need some um, material, let me know. Oh, cool. That would be excellent. Because you're so far away, ACT, it's like... Oh. I know. I don't think I'll be here. I did mm-hmm. actually live in Melbourne for a while. Oh, okay. And, um, I'm moving overseas, hopefully for a bit next year. Okay, um, cool. Hopefully for 12 months or so in the UK. And then when I come back, I'm intending to come back to Melbourne. So oh, wow. Perhaps Feminazi will wow. move with me. <laughs> Are you okay with me saying that? I mean, putting yeah, that together? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty, All right, cool. I'm pretty about open that. about these plans. As long as you're still um, having... I would love to you know. have more interstate um, presence for Feminazi as well. It's mm. a bit tricky working full-time and trying to... 
um, juggle all the things, but certainly once we have more people who are based in state as well, it'll be a bit easier. That'll be great. Well, I'm raving now, sorry. Um, but yes, uh, look, <laughs> if you were to say to a young writer, because you were very young when you, yeah, like I said, took up the pen or the keyboard, what would you suggest as a good place to start for a writer if they want to get their work out there to be uh, seen and read? I think VoiceWorks is obviously one of the best places to start because mm. even if you don't get published, you do get proper feedback, which is really great. But I think, I mean, I get asked this a lot because I often speak at young writers' um, events and things like that. And something that occurred to me at the last thing that I was speaking at, you know, even as I rattled off all these publications for people to um, go to is there's nothing to stop you from starting your own thing. Mm. And, you know, people often ask me, how, you know, how can I submit to Feminazi? And, you know, what a great opportunity to be published. And I feel like saying, you know, Feminazi is just this thing that I decided to do. Mm. The only reason why it's a real publication, quote unquote, now is because I just, acted as if it was a professional publication until it became one. So Mm. I think it's really important for writers to know that being published isn't necessarily the thing that makes you a writer. It's really just writing is the thing that makes you a writer. And if you want to write and you have thoughts that you want to share, there's nothing to stop you from blogging to start off with. And then you'll find the relevant publications and you'll be able to submit to those. But partly it is just about practice and building the confidence to keep doing it. Yes, that's the thing. Keep going. Even if you're hitting the wall, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we all have to consider. That Those walls can be really, uh, seem damn impenetrable at times, but keep going, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Any any last words before I end this conversation? Um, I guess I'd just say that even if you aren't in Canberra, there's nothing to stop you from uh, being part of Feminazi and... Um, certainly encourage anyone who's keen to write for us to send through a pitch or get in touch. And if you want to participate in the book club, you can always do it online. Oh, oh, good. Throughout the the book club. And um, we'd love to have people joining in um, through Twitter. Cool. And so where can people go online? Uh, So the best place to go is either feminazi.com, which is our website, Mm -hmm. um, or look us up on Facebook or Twitter. We do post every day. Um, on both of those networks as well. Um, and my contact details are all listed on the website. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, they certainly are. Thank you so much, Zoe Patel, for speaking to us here on Broad on Joy 94.9. It's so great to have, uh, you know, someone who's very committed and passionate, as you are, and knowledgeable, and sharing that, you know, with, and with these events and everything you're doing. It's it's full-time, yeah, full-time job now. You? Um, I work full time for actual money, and then I oh. also <laughs> work a Oops. lot on on Feminazi. So thank you very much for having me, and um, you know it's nice to talk to other committed, intelligent feminist women um, across Australia. Excellent. So. Oh, thank you. That's great. Thanks, Oya. Thank you. You've been listening to a broadcast on Joy ninety four point nine. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.